Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. Here's something that we need to understand. That he, the God who is, who spoke, and who has revealed himself through the prophetic lens of scripture, has always known the outcome of this story. Huh? He planned it. Henry Blocher in his book, The Servant Songs, entitles The Four Suffering Servant Songs of Isaiah. We're going to examine how Jesus had to suffer, how he suffered. In the book of Isaiah, this book was written 720 to 690 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Within this book, 700 years before his birth, it already explained exactly what needed to take place. The first song he calls the call of the servant. It can be found in Isaiah chapter 42, 1 through 9. Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. The second song, the commission of the servant. Isaiah 49, 1 through 13. The third song is the commitment of the servant. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4 through 11. And the fourth song, the one that we're going to spend time with this morning and read, is the career of the servant. Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12. Also known as the suffering servant or the sin-bearing servant. Because why did he suffer? Because he carried and bore our sins. Let's take a look at Isaiah 52, 13. Amen. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation uh, for this passage of Scripture just because it lends itself uh, uh, to the reading. See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one scarcely would know he was a man. And he was startled. He will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see that he had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot like a root in the dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us. Like sheep have gone astray. 
We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep is silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was stricken down for the rebellion of my people. He had no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honor of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. I know there was a lot in there, but as we read this passage, my prayer, my hope is that you are encouraged with hope, that you are filled with expectation. Why? Because we can see that God always had a plan. The, the, the current state of our world, the, the craziness and the darkness that's happening outside, it's part of his plan. This has to come to pass. Oh, so many of us are so worried. Oh, the Trump at the White House, the this, the, the government, the, the politics that our country. So what? As long as Jesus is on the throne, who cares who's in the White House? Come on. Jesus, we serve a king. We serve a king. The fall of man and the battle between the knowledge of good and evil was always part of God's plan. Here's the spoiler alert, church. Satan's plot did not catch God off guard. Come on. Satan's plan did not catch God off guard. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to take place. This was laid out before the foundations of the world were even formed. Revelations chapter 13, 4 through 9. This is they, the, the worldly people. The, 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 those out there kind of people. They worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war against him? Come on, family. If, if, if we fear him who can destroy the body more than he who can destroy the soul, we're off. I don't fear him who can destroy this body. I, just, I fear him who can destroy the body and the soul. There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act. For 42 months was given to him. 
And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. That is, those who dwell in heaven. Come on. Who's his tabernacle? Who's he blaspheming against? Come on. We're his church. Not the building. It's not brick and mortar. When we come together, we form the body of God. He can't be, he can't be contained in, in buildings made with the hands of man. He, he chooses to dwell amongst and inside of us. His creation. We are his temple. And he opened his mouth and blasphemes against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle. That is those who dwell in heaven. Hallelujah. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and every people and tongue and nation was given to him. To who? It's the adversary. It's the enemy. Let's not sleep in slumber, family. We have an adversary. He is on the attack. Just because you think everything seems peaceful. Scripture teaches that he's lurking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You ever see a lion or a lioness? Really, it's the lioness because they're, they're the hunters. <laughs> How slow do they move up within the grass waiting for the right time, for the right moment, huh? casing out its prey? The adversary is out there. Just like that for each and every one of us. Whether we recognize it or realize it or not, he's looking to set up that trap. All who dwell on earth will worship him, this adversary. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Listen, family, before the foundation of the world was laid, already was the Lamb's book of life. Verse 8 reveals that he was slain in the Father's eternal counsel. This was God's plan, not the adversaries. 1 Peter 1, 19-20, But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times to us. We have come to the crux, the creative narrative, to, to the pinnacle of God's plot. All of creative history was built for this one time, this one purpose, this one occasion. And in the middle of this dramatic historical event, as God's plot begins to unfold before the people, we're introduced to this character called Barabbas. Who is Barabbas? Why? Why is he introduced to us now? In, in the middle of the world's Greatest narrative and, and the, the buildup of the greatest plot. We now see Barabbas. Watch this video. Uh, this is Judah Smith. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. 
we don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel, and why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? Barabbas. Yeah. Give us Barabbas. People say, give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles and he walks down the platform, welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah. The people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience of Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now, or you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. And God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father. When I look at the story, I realize who Barabbas really is. That's me. That's you. That's us. And I felt I was reading this the other day, and I felt God speak to me. I love Barabbas. I love him. But God, he's a bad man. I love him. And I wanted him to go free. But didn't you know that he probably would have never acknowledged the freaking, yeah, but I love Barabbas. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son for Barabbas. Even the one he knew would walk away from Jesus and his free gift and never come back. He loves them. And the nerve, the call, the audacity of believers to think, I got saved by grace, but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, I'm going to work hard to get myself out. Are you bound? Are you-
Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it. No, you won't. You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin. You will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they started Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I 
Can you say enough? Is he enough? Are you in a place of enough this morning? Enough carrying the weight of your sin. Enough of the heaviness of the emotional baggage. and Enough of living in defeat and in anger and pride. Enough living in silence. Remember Isaiah 35.3? He was despised and rejected a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and did not care. Have you had enough doing it your way? Enough with church pride or a a holier-than-thou attitude, judgmental uh, dispositions? Jesus is enough. We, we cannot live in victory and freedom of sin without accepting his suffering on our behalf. Come on, let me say it this way. The suffering he endured is our salvation secured. The suffering that he endured is our salvation secured. He ransomed a guilty prisoner. While being an innocent sacrifice, he endured the suffering of our sin. The Bible says he was scourged by a Roman soldier. To, to be scourged. I, I, don't, I don't know if you understand the, the, the implications of what that is. See, Jewish law had a limitation. They, they could only give 40 lashes, but 40 lashes was, was all Often people died by the flogging of its own. In of itself, it was considered a death sentence. But Roman law, Roman law had no limitation. I can't even imagine not only having to go through the pain and the anguish of the scourging, but then the mental torture of wondering, will it ever stop? Many soldiers have concluded, many scholars, they've, they've concluded that Pontius Pilate may have had two motives of, of, a, of a real brutal whipping. Perhaps if he had Jesus beat so bad that his flesh would be ripped off and hanging off of him, just maybe the people would choose to let him go. He got his beating, enough is enough. They would have mercy, let him, let him go. And, and Pilate thought maybe, maybe, just maybe. This would be the way out. He wanted to wash his hands. Some other scholars will debate saying that knowing that the Sabbath was upon them and that Jesus would be hanging there from the evening. He'll have have to beat Jesus so bad, bringing him to this near-death moment in order to ensure that he wouldn't be hanging on the crucifix for long. Either way, the ultimate goal was to make him dead. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. Put a crown of thorns upon his head, impaled within, deep in his flesh. They forced him to carry the very lumber he breathed to existence. Come on, think about this. This is Jesus. 
He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He formed all things into existence. He breathed life into life. Come on. He made that tree. And then he was forced to carry it. And then it was used to impale his hands and his feet, ultimately crucifying him on Calvary. This is what he was destined to. So that we, we can be set free. Free from sin, free from condemnation, free to live for him, free to be righteous, free to be empowered, free from the fear of death. But remember that some of Jesus' greatest sufferings are not caused by the direct rebellion that we have or by our inaction for his cause. Sometimes it's our inaction that causes the most suffering. Just as Pilate washed his hands, just as uh, Isaiah said that they turned their backs on him. How many of us, come on, we turn our backs on Jesus. We'll drive through the street. We'll, we'll see someone who's sick, someone who's suffering, someone who's hurt. And we turn around and walk away. Sometimes it's just too inconvenient. Sometimes we got places to go and people are waiting for us. We need to be able to stop. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Be his hand extended. You know, if we don't do that, then we're just religious. But the moment that we allow him to come into our hearts, the moment that we allow him to take our suffering, then we can be gratitude. Then we can, then we can acknowledge and be grateful. Remember Matthew 27, 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that atonement was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude. How many of us wash our hands? He, as the Son of Man, suffered under Pontius Pilate, had to, died a brutal and agonizing death, and was buried. And thanks to Joseph of Arimathea, he was buried in a rich man's grave, fulfilling prophecy yet again. Sealing the tomb. When they sealed the tomb, it, it ensured that the tomb was airtight. How many people know that rotting flesh smells? Stinks. An airtight tomb means that ain't nobody breathing. There was no doubt that this blameless, innocent, divine man was made dead that we may be made alive next week we're going to explore how and why Jesus Christ on the third day he rose again from the dead he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and from thence he shall come again to judge the living and the dead Church, would you bow your heads? Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.